Welcome. You are listening to Nard Bites, a Dungeons and Dragons show where we discuss various topics about D&D and all other TTRPGs. Enter at your risk, but beware, things may get Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking it to you live with another Nord Bite. Uh, for this Nord Bite, uh, me and Ryan and uh, Anthony are going to be discussing uh, an interesting thing that we've kind of uh, griped and belly ached about a little bit in the past to the point that we thought this would make for a decent enough episode for a, a Nard Bite. Uh, the topic in question is an interesting one because it involves something of a balance between three major things. Uh, that every player of an RPG experiences at one point in time when playing any system or any game or anything. And that's sort of the balance between three general concepts. These concepts uh, that we've aptly titled uh, were uh, fluff. Uh, what was it? Grit? Yeah. Fluff, I mean, we, you know. And <laughs> Wow. You already lost it, huh, bud? I mean, kind of. I mean, that's the thing. They're conceptual. It, it's a matter of there was the the grittiness. Right, was it grit or yep. was it grind? Grind, grit. No, yeah, no, yeah, grit, crunch, maybe. Fluff, uh, grit, fluff, and streamlining. Right, yeah. is that what we want to go with? Yeah. So, okay. So the the basic thought is that you know every RPG, every game has some level of balance between these three things, right? So, um, grit, as we've described it, is sort of like a crunchy. Was it crunch? It was crunch, right? It was, yeah, man was crunch so anyway we're not going to go back and correct that it was crunch all along we just you know what a it was a of pronunciation it. yeah so anyway crunch as we've kind of uh described it is is a matter of numbers it's a matter of like hard details it's a level of like uh sort of informative descriptive statistics and 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 numbers and it's just sort of like hard details that together make for an idea of what your game is all about um fluff on the other hand is similar but different it's almost kind of like quantitative versus qualitative data for a game where the crunchy quantitative like numbers and hard facts and stuff is met by the qualitative fluff where it's more like you know informative details sort of like storylines culture and things like that that give you like a, a really like adds color to the picture here you know it's like crunch adds the hard lines and the the color is sort of the fluff here. It's like together they make an image, but you can have different levels of either one. But the last of the three characteristics here is streamlining, which is sort of the level of like, or I know other board games and stuff have regarded this as heaviness, which is like the rule system and how heavy the rules are, which is usually where people refer to things as being rules light versus like rules heavy. So it's just sort of like this kind of, you know, I don't want to say it's like a, a, a spectrum here, but it's like certain systems are heavier than other ones, whereas other ones are a lot more streamlined. So um, it's interesting to kind of think about what makes for like a great game by looking at how these three things balance. So I guess we've got an option ahead of us is how to how to sort of approach um, these three and to think about which one of these things means most to us. 
Um, Ryan, did you want to talk like just a quick second about why this topic even came up? We're talking about fifth edition and we're talking about races and yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that sort of happened as fifth edition progressed and they started releasing, you know, more and more source books and delving into more and more races as they sort of took a step back away from something that I've always really appreciated uh, as just a almost full-time player uh, when it comes to like new races and stuff, which is going through the, like their sort of whole stat block and everything and getting to the point where it sort of tells you about like the averages for, you know, like weight and height and those sort of things. And it's sort of like, as uh, fifth edition progressed, they stepped away from that. And I, I really feel like you lose a lot when you do that, when you sort of say that, like, instead of giving any, like, hard numbers to either of those stats, and, and, like, if we're just going to focus on those two right now, that's perfectly fine. But there's other things that they sort of dropped off as well. But, and it's it just, like, it's it's tough for me because like I when I'm reading that sap lock and I get to that section, that's for me a good way to then visualize that entire race going forward. Like if if I find out that every Aarakocra is, you know, between four nine and five three and only weighs between like seventy and hundred and ten pounds, that very much in, like informs how I see those characters in my mind's eye, not like and or not PCs because like a, a player character, you can be outside the norm. In fact, it, it's kind of expected for a lot of stuff nowadays. That's fine with me, but like, I still want like a kind of baseline for what it's like when you encounter uh, these races out in the world and it's tough because like you don't get that anymore you sort of just get well every race is about human sized and has average human height and weight whatever that fucking means and then if not we'll let you know but we aren't going to give hard numbers on that really very often either and it, it just it frustrates me personally because like i said like i use a lot of that to like inform my sort of like theater of the mind and i it's tough to have a good theater production when you keep losing props and stage dressing and everything else you know what i mean yeah i mean what do you think anthony do you have any thoughts on that too uh yeah so it's important for any game system to provide as much as possible for both the players and the dungeon master um because it helps the dungeon master focus as much as possible on the important parts of building a world and it helps a player character focus as much as possible on the important parts of building a character right so you know when you as a player don't have to figure out yourself with input from the dungeon master what say for example an elf 
is like in general um you know in terms of fluff what their culture is in terms of uh, gr uh grit um you know what what their stats bonuses and penalties are and in terms of streamlining you know, how all of this information is presented to you it lets you instead focus on okay inside this framework that i've been provided by the game system uh, how can i build a character out of that it's basically like Lazy character building, right? It, it gives you all of the boring background stuff that you can then use as you're jumping off. And having less of that hurts the game because that means everybody involved with playing it has to do a lot more work. That's true. I uh, so I, with the, I'm ashamed of myself, but forgot the other of the big three between uh, height, weight, and... Uh, like age like the maximum age a race can live to it it is absurd that everything lives to around whenever a hu average human's lifespan is again what does that mean yeah so like i, I, I don't mean, know for me fantasy is supposed to be fantastic like and when you strip stuff away from it because you want to leave it more open-ended. Like, I don't expect my dungeon master to crack open and give me average of all of those things for every, all, what, 40, 50 races that are now in the game across every source book. It'd be nice if Wizards just sort of did that, you know? It, yeah. If, if the dungeon master wants to then say oh well actually in my homebrew world or setting and stuff dwarves are one of the shorter lived races okay that's cool now that opens up a whole bunch of new stuff but like if it's just i don't know it, it frustrates me because it feels like it makes everything so much more mundane yeah which it's interesting because I was thinking about what Anthony said when he mentioned that it like it sort of helps make it easier for people to make characters and stuff. And I think <clears throat> this is not news to anybody in the creative space, but when you have more prompts and rigid facts that you have to work with, I find that it it, you know, and a lot of people say this that it's like a what's the what's the saying about such and such makes for creativity? It's like the confines breed creativity or whatever. It the idea yeah, that like solid rules that you follow to the letter make good fantasy well because it's like it's it's you know i don't necessarily think that it makes it harder for people when you have like five pages of a player's handbook explaining what dwarves are and explaining everything from their their culture their dating like how old they can be what their beards mean what tattoos mean to them their relationship with the elves their you know magic i don't i don't know like you could have any number of details in there. And I don't think that that makes it harder to understand what a dwarf is. I think that that just makes being a dwarf a more rich experience. And I think that when you play something like fifth edition, which again, I, I don't want to turn this into a fifth edition bashing thing, but it's like, again, this is just the one that we're kind of playing and the one that most people who are probably going to listen to this play too. But it's like, you know, when all you do is make them into excellent craftsmen, and they live underground and they like shiny things and things made out of rocks. It's like, 
I just, it, it only goes so far. And the sad part is, is that people would think, well, it leaves it more open for interpretation. It's like, yeah, but no, I feel like your common person playing this game, when you tell them make a creative dwarf, they're probably going to end up just using those three things that you gave them. And they're just going to go for like the opposite of one of them. And it's going to be like, oh, well, my creative dwarf is actually a mage. And that's weird because dwarves are usually fighters. Or it's going to be like, oh, but he's a druid because usually they don't like trees because they live underground. It's like, yeah, but that's the thing. When you only give so little, like there's only so little that people can actually spin off of it with, you know? So even if the argument is you could be more creative with less hard, you know, crunchy stuff, it's like, I just feel like your characters are more boring then, you know, to the point that, you know, as people have said in the past, it's like a human fighter has become the new exotic character because it's like nobody plays a fucking human guard, like, because it's boring to them. They want to be blue with horns and be and sexy and covered in glitter. And it's like, that just, to me, is the most boring character of all because like, who who gives a shit? Where do you come from? What does this and mean? I mean, it's, it's interesting things, you know? that, that you bring up the idea of people wanting to play very unique characters and more down-to-earth characters become sort of the new unique because of that. So when when you have these three factors lacking or not properly in balance with each other, it does become almost impossible to make a genuinely unique character because, you know, when everybody is special and unique, nobody is, right? And if, if, you, if you don't have any of these baselines to go off, uh, uh, go off of in your game... You know, when the sky's the limit, it becomes very easy to fall short of your goal. Yeah. So I guess the next big, broad question I have is talking about this balance. Um, which one of these things do you feel is actually the most important to like a successful game? You know, is is it like the hard numbers that come along with a crunchy game? Is it the informative world building that comes with fluff? Or is it the streamlining that, you know, like sort of like mastering the idea of like, is this game super integrate, like integ uh, intricate or is it super streamlined? You know what I mean? Like which one of these three factors makes for like the best gaming experience? I know it has to be a balance, but you know, you could almost view it this way too. Like when one of these three factors is off, which do you notice first when it's like, hold the fucking phone? What is going on? I don't, I mean, I don't care which one of you guys wants to answer that first, but which one do you uh, think? Well, I'm actually going to say that streamlining is the is the most important uh, of these three factors. Not because, again, because, you know, streamlining is not a great word for it, I don't think. And we talked about this a little before the call started. But for me, I think of streamlining as the presentation and ease of access of information, right? Like a, a game... Uh, can be both extremely gritty and very well streamlined depending on how it chooses to communicate its information. Uh, so, for example, something like, I don't know, a war, like a Warhammer manual is incredibly gritty, uh, but because they boil everything down to a set of stat blocks that, you know, once you know what all the numbers and letters mean, it's pretty easy to get a really good idea of a whole lot of information that you're looking at compared to something like Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, right, which is also very gritty, but with some deceptively simple rules. But the way that that information is laid out and communicated to you is 
almost borders on frustrating and impossible to figure out in some situations. I mean, this is, you know, why we have the Bro-SR, and this is why we have people who are Gagaxian naturalists and stuff. It, it's like there's like a whole field of philosophy of how just to interpret what fucking Gary was trying to tell anybody. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you that, that that streamlining aspect of it really does make for a game. Because when I said before, you know, which is the most important versus which one when it's off, you really feel like it's off. Yeah, when when the game feels immensely heavier than it has to feel, like you fucking you know it within the first ten minutes when nobody knows what to do. Every time somebody's like, "Can I can I just jump over it?" and everybody has to pull out a book at the same time, and there's a dispute about which numbers to go with and like which book has the right, like that. Yeah, that that definitely ruins the game for you. But like you said, I, I think that experience and practice also plays into it. A well-oiled fifth edition group is going to play faster at 20th level than a group picking up first level characters because they've been playing them for so long and memorize all the abilities. And it's like, you know, the rules you have to know, you know what I mean? It's like a group that never has to grapple versus a group that has a grappling character. It's like, the grapple rules are memorized by that other group. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think it's unfair to say that streamlining is, you know, really based in a system like you were saying uh i i do think that it's important but i don't know i i think that i don't know i look at something like old school essentials which we've been playing outside of this and we played one time on the show too um like the way that they lay out their books with just like tables bullet points bold lettering and everything's just in a very legible font and very well like paced and laid out I'm like, there's a reason it's kind of like the staple for the OSR community is because it's like, it's so fucking easy to read it and so easy to just pick up the book and go that like, it's it's very light, it's very easy to digest and it takes, you know, Holmesian, Gygaxian styled old school rules and just like really streamlines it. But then the problem is, is it's like, that game has borderline no fluff. Like again, like you look mm -hmm. at the monster manual entries and it's like, again, I um, I wish I could pull it up. I had to restart my computer. But like for the Bulette, which, you know, I, I, you know, not that that's what the other, you know, the party's fighting or anything like that. But like the description. He's lying. It, it is. It, yeah, um, it's it's, you know, I mean, it's not terrible, but it's like it basically is, you know, like four or five bullet points total. And it's like it mentions its size, mentions how, you know, how much it weighs it mentions that it really loves the taste of human flesh and horse flesh, which, you know, again, with our party, that may be very important for a group of our third level characters to evade a nine hit die, almost dragon. You know, it has a zero armor class, man. That's fucked. Ooh. Yeah. Good luck hitting that thing with 19s and 20s. But the point is, is that it gives you just enough to be able to do it. But like, I could use more. You know, if you put in some weird thing about how they like hate a certain smell or something like that, I don't know. They have a mention in there where they say that they particularly like to destroy uh, halfling and gnome burrow homes, which again, like that's kind of funny. And then there's another part where they mentioned that their their armor plating can make for magic shields. It's like, is that enough for that monster manual entry to be like fun and engaging? I mean, I kind of think so. Like right there, I've got, you know, I've got an in-play thing that can come up, you know, the party either sacrificing the horses to get away 
or you know realizing that it's probably going to go after the humans in the group rather than any of the other races uh it's got a quest hook where it's like halflings and gnomes homes are destroyed because bulets apparently think it's funny and then you've also got the fact that their their armor plating can become magic shields it's like that's a quest hook too that's a whole thing for like a fighter needing a magic shield to resist fire they have to hunt down a bulet somewhere get it enchanted so they can fight a red dragon like I think they give me enough, but it's like, I don't know. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I, I do and, think and that... The, like, the, the example you give, I definitely think it's missing uh, some fluff, because you know, when I say streamlining is important, I mean, it's important for ease access and understanding what you're looking at. But yet yeah, you can't go without a, at least some fluff to make everything feel more meaningful than a series of bullet points. Like, the information that the Pulet is giving um, is good, but it's not enough, right? Because, you know, for me, uh, I'm always very interested whenever I come across a monster or an alien species or anything in fiction, I want to know all about, like, you know, their biology, their ecology, their society, if they have one. Like, I, I like background information like that. So ha having access to that too, I think is in, like good fluff is also necessary. Yeah, I mean it makes them tangible. Again, it makes for better storytelling when you know you have to write a quest and you know all these random facts about how maybe a bullet was made by a wizard or something like that, or there's like some weird lore about bullets never sleeping because they're cursed by some goddess of dreams for some reason. Like it, it, it gives you stuff to to work with, you know. And I think that that's kind of one of the things Ryan was saying before. It's like if you don't know how long something lives, if you don't know how tall they are, if, how much they weigh, like the stuff that seems like unnecessary and like little tassel details. It's like. Yeah, but it informs how I'm playing. It informs the world around me. Ryan, you brought it up before, too, about how it's like even the size of a door in a human settlement. Is it short to accommodate the shorter guests? Is it is it a giant door? Because maybe you'll have a bunch of eight foot tall draconian guys walking in every once in a while. Do they just have it a human size and everybody has to like deal with it because it's a human settlement it's like if we don't know these hard fact numbers it's hard to make a world that makes sense around those facts and you know i don't know what do you what do you think ryan i mean we didn't really get to your side of it but which one of those three things do you think is the most important i think for me it's probably always going to be maybe not as important but if we're like sort of looking at these three as like a triangle the shape of the triangle is definitely going to be very much isosceles in that crunch and um streamline are more important than fluff and because mostly in the sense that like hard numbers can inform you more than four paragraphs on what how the dwarven trading system works especially if you know you're in a group where you're never gonna really get that deep into like dwarven culture but like you still want to know sort of the basic abilities of every dwarf like hard numbers on things like resistances or proficiencies and stuff like that like i like knowing every like mountain dwarf is proficient in 
a kind of armor and shield, no matter what they do, says all like tells me a lot more about them as a culture than maybe you know all the stuff about tattoos ever would Ooh. and just like helps me put into effect like a a sort of just a sense like a a psychic understanding of what these people are about yeah i mean I see what you're saying, and I think that we're rubbing into this weird area where we're starting to recognize that, like, there comes a point where grit becomes fluff, and there comes a point where fluff naturally becomes grit. Like, if in the fluff we say you every correct. 200 years, elves remarry. Is that grit at that point? Did that become crunch now that I know that at the age of 500 my elf may have been married twice before? Like, is that, yep. like, did that become crunch now? Or, you know, and I, I just, I don't know. I think that, I don't know. There's a part of me that almost feels like fluff and crunch can live together in harmony and be interwoven. Because it's like, there comes a point where it's like, I don't know. Like, I always think back to the gnomes in 3.5 and how there's an entry in there that talks about their names and how every person they meet that means something to them gives them a different name. So any gnome could have like 20 different nicknames and they have one birth name that they grow out of, a childhood name that they grow out of, their adult name, their husband name, their father name, the guys at work call them a name. And I'm like, that's not grit, but it like it does so much to inform how like playing this character goes. And again, I'm, I'm going to go back to what Anthony said earlier about how it's like it, in, you know, it, it kind of, inst- I don't know. It's like there's a level of instruction that comes with how to play a character based on what's provided to you there. And you could say, depending on the campaign setting, these things might change, but it's like, it almost felt like you were doing research on your character class right. or, or your, your right. race. And that when you came to the table and you're like telling everybody at the table, like, well, actually... As a gnome, usually they have a bunch of names. So you guys in the adventuring party might know me as Nimble because I'm a thief and that's kind of my like thief name. But then everybody back home, my name's actually Gufu. So when I go to the gnome settlement, they're like, Gufu, you're back. Like it adds to the game in a way that's not heavy. Like nobody needs to like drop down like, fuck, gnomes have lots of names. Shit, how am I going to remember that? You know, or that like dwarves sometimes use crystals as currency with different colors flames in them. I'll never forget that one. I don't even fucking remember where I read that, but that's a thing in the book somewhere. And it adds something to the game because it's like, I don't know, you find a treasure hoard somewhere and there's a bunch of value crystals. It's like that tells you so much about, you know, where the treasure even came from. The rightful owner might even be printed on the back. You might even be able to get a special reward. And I just think that fluff is something that begets more quests and more gameplay crunch is something that adds like i don't want to say adds texture to that and streamlining is how well these things sing in harmony but it's like that's kind of the way i'm i guess i'm imagining this now i guess i don't know i'm trying to think of the next thing to talk about with this topic we're kind of running close to the line here but i feel like there's something more we have to talk about i guess i mean these things can be done uh to, to access in like a really bad way too true yeah like uh, yeah, yeah like it, like it, too much fluff is definitely a bad thing and it might be very informative it might tell you about the world and do its job but i think of this whole section in the original uh greyhawk campaign setting that tells you all about the migration of human populations across the continent 
And, you know, it's this long rambling, like two column, four pages thing about, you know, the distribution of various human ethnicities all across the land that you're going to play in. And then it just ends with like, yeah, but they all basically now in the present day look like this one uh, look and our cult look like and are culturally this one particular human ethnicity. And that's, you know, what you're going to be working with in most places uh, in this campaign setting. It's like, well, all of that was pointless then. (laughs) Thank you so much. It was was interesting. Sure. But that doesn't actually give me any good information about how to play a human in Greyhawk. Other than there's a bunch of pointless history. So here's my rebuttal to this. Comes in two points. One, have you ever read a Warhammer fucking war book or whatever they call those stupid things? Well, they do exactly that and they talk about the migration of the elves and then the history of like 18 different elven kings and for some reason that's important when I'm painting my miniatures. I don't know how. But the second thing was that in in a weird sense, uh, sorry, I dropped something. Um, in a weird sense, I almost think to myself that like, Gygax, when they wrote that stuff, which I don't even think he was the only author on that one, but either way, I think he was, probably was, Greyhawk. But anyway, he, uh, it almost feels to me like it's like scholarly writing, where it's like, he wasn't necessarily just writing like a game book, especially when you think about how old Greyhawk really is. It's like, I almost feel like Greyhawk was like a war game, it was like an RPG treatise. It was like his, like, his own, like, uh, like his magnum opus, his presentation to the field at large. Like he could go again to like an academy of TTRPG scholars and be like, gentlemen, this is Greyhawk. And so it's like, I think from like a world building perspective, it's almost like when you're writing like a thesis in grad school or something and you have to like follow the very specific rigid rules of where things go, even if it doesn't really make a lot of sense and seems redundant, it almost feels to me like Gary's work with something like Greyhawk was more of like a, uh, again, like a scholarly like work where it was like, it's just the rules of how you write a wargaming book. You know what I mean? If you were writing a book about, you know, World War II miniature fighting, you'd have to give like this 10 page prelude about how, you know, what was going on in Germany at the time for your little war game. And so, yeah, I mean, I agree you, with you, you, you know, what, fair that, enough. Uh, I'm willing to grant you that. And older stuff does need to get a pass because the game was just evolving and, you know, hasn't gone through, you know, some of the rigors to find out what's necessary and what isn't yet. But I also think it's like music, it's like, you know, tastes change and so it's like as much as we want to just give a pass to like fucking johnny be good and say that like at the time it was fucking banging but it's like yeah but that doesn't mean we have to all listen to johnny be good now and say it's good because it's old it's like we can agree greyhawk is very very dry in that opening section and nobody actually reads it because that's not the part that matters to us and as an evolved gaming audience it's like we have different tastes based on how gaming's moved on so it's like my point that I was trying to make with the whole it's a treatise kind of thing is it's like it's almost like you have to know your audience. And anytime you sort of adjust the triangle in any direction, it should be for an audience. And so it's like I think about um, one page dungeons and how it's just one page where you fit an entire worth of dungeons or I'm part of a Facebook group where it's all about light RPGs. And it's like, you find people who make an RPG on an index card, an entire system on an index card. And it's like itself is a feat and it's a whole style, but it's like that level of streamlining 
comes with a lot of drawbacks, but it's like, that's the audience that wants it. And then again, the fluffy stuff, it's like, you know, if you were to read uh, the, what was it? The one ring RPG there. It's like having that have a lot of fluff written in, even if you didn't need to read the fluff, I could almost see somebody like you appreciating having a good, decent bit of fluff and, and seeing how they've like presented it. It's like, it's a matter yeah, of knowing yeah, the audience. A big part of me has been tempted to pick it up, but I know that I'll never be able to convince anyone to play it. Well, again, knowing your audience is important, but um, yeah, so I guess, I don't know. If I had to pick one of the three things to be able to kind of like drop by the wayside, uh, I would pick, if I had to like shoot one of the three edges of our triangle here, either crunch, fluff, or streamlining, I'd actually kill streamlining. For the perfect game system, I think that the the common thing that we have to do when we love TTRPGs and stuff is recognize we'll never play any of them. We're just going to like have it on the shelf <laughs> yep. and always dream of the ideal campaign where we're two years deep into this one book that nobody ever plays. So I'm almost willing to say I'd rather have a game that is like, uh, what was it called? The uh, Imperium or whatever, like the like the fucking 30 week long like board game for Imperial. Ed- Imperium? The point is, is that like, I'd rather have a board game I never play that's written in a way that's entirely evocative and beautiful. One that I could like drool over the pages that I'll never get to actually utilize than have a game be imperfect that I do play. I'd love to have that just on a shelf as a muse, as something I can reference and like homebrew out of. I would rather do that. If you could promise me perfect blends of grit and fluff, go for it. It's like 3.5. Nobody plays that anymore. So I just sit there looking at it. Sad. <laughs> uh, but I, I want to play it. So I don't know. Or, uh, Ryan, if you had to shoot one of the three and make like a system. Yeah, okay. That's the thought experiment now. If you had to make a, a system that's perfect or whatever, a system you could live with, and you had to get rid of one of those three factors, would it still be fluff? For me, no. It, like... Believing in like a perfect system, I, I I fully am with you. Like it wouldn't need to be streamlined because it the idea of it would be enough to get people to fully commit to learning it in all of its eccentricities. You know what I mean? But like there would be so much there that like it 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 would lose something by getting streamlined. Like, I, I, I yeah. agree that, like, uh, I'm always going to have stuff sitting on a shelf, and it's... It hit home, didn't it? Yeah, you, you just... <laughs> it's just how that it Steam is. Steam library of all the games that you'll never get to play with anybody else. <laughs> just, like, maybe someday. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it... it... I guess... Yeah, for me, it, it would be streamlined as well, because you could dump enough time into the Warcraft 3 instruction manual or the Starcraft instruction manual, or just pouring over the art and all of the descriptions and all of the hard technical crunch that's in there and loving every second of it. And and like that would be it. You know, yeah, and, and then you'd get to actually play the game 
and it would be as good as Warcraft 3 or StarCraft. <laughs> what do you think, Anthony? Are you going to disagree with us, anti-streamline boys? No, actually. I'm actually going to come out of left field here and say I would actually shoot Fluff. Uh, because because as a writer and a world builder myself, I have read enough other systems, I have read enough other books that I am confident in my ability to do the world building myself with a system that is crunchy enough and streamlined enough that I'm capable of doing what I want with it. That's fair. That definitely checks out. I definitely find myself when I'm like perusing like apocalyptic RPGs because I'm always in the mood to play one. And something about that setting always works for me. But I'm like, I don't need to read about why the world has ended. I just want to see how you did the thing and made it easy for me to read it. And like how characters work, how level ups work. Like, I, I agree with you that I'm like, let me make the apocalypse. Let me come up with the adventures. I don't need your dumb example characters and all that. Like, let me worry about that. I just want to see how you took what my mind could create and made it tangible as a game. So I I agree with you. I can see that. I can see that angle. I don't really see the angle of getting rid of crunch and only having fluff and streamline. I feel like that's just a comic book. I feel like streamline. You're just just reading a book. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's just, there's just no room for there. Yeah. Or like a wiki how. That's, that's. You know, the f- fiasco was a little bit like a system with no crunch. Like, what there weren't any re- real hard rules to that game. It's just it's actually uh, very uh, true. It, it gives you a framework and it tells you to go. Yeah, literally, the the rule book for the game openly like drops f bombs at the titles of every page, where it's like, "What the fuck am I rolling?" And it's like, "You ain't rolling shit. Knock it off. Put that <laughs> dice down." Like that's all fluff, all streamlined. There is no crunch to that book. I'm pretty sure they didn't even have page numbers. It was like a napkin. It was just like <laughs> it was the back of a fucking phone book. It was just like if you're reading this, RPG written on the walls of a public toilet. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, all right, the people's RPG. But uh um, but anyway, yeah, okay. That's interesting. I never really thought I I wanted to bring up Fiasco at some point in this to see where that fell because we had a pretty good experience with Fiasco. And I, I kind of agree with you, Anthony. That really is a crunchless game. There's like some rules, but like the rules you could again, it I mean it was kind of confusing rules at first, but like it's a game you could probably play around a campfire if you wanted to like noodle it out. You know what I mean? Like that's, you know, but either way, you know, this was a fun talk though. Did you guys have any last things you wanted to mention? I mean, I can go first. Just I mean, bring back ages, man. Fifth right, edition. Like, that if, was, you know, that was going to be mine was yeah. Ages, like, the number one thing when looking at a race that helps me understand what their culture or how they might interact with the world like it it boggles the mind and is extremely just depressing to believe that most species live exactly as long as humans do that's and we're all the same size and we're all look pretty genuinely you know generally speaking the same just some of us are blue and sparkly it just man like if you told me that fucking turtles only live 15 years. That changes everything. 
everything. Yeah. My entire perception of the race. Like, it, I don't it's know. It's true. You think about any dragonborn, any orc, any goblin we've ever had in any group. It's like, it's been known at the forefront of our mind. Max age is like 65. Like, yeah. fuck, man. Holy shit. You get attacked by a ghost and it ages you 10 years. Jesus, dude, that's one of my fingers on my hand. That's like that's 20% of my life gone, man. But it, I, yeah. So, okay. Anthony, did you have any last <laughs> things you wanted to say? Uh, be be open to trying out other systems with different balances of these things. It'll probably give you some new perspective on your favorite one. True. And don't do that thing that everybody does where they're like, how to make this in 5th edition? Like, no, dude. Okay. Yeah. Dark Soul. Please, like, please, yeah. please, please do not shoehorn Cyberpunk into 5e. There's an entire system for that. What's it called? Shadowrun. And it's pretty cool. <laughs> Shadowrun, yeah. but you know, also cyberpunk just cyberpunk no but that one doesn't have orcs and elves <laughs> yes it does uh there, there there's a whole set of rules for it at the back of the first uh, rule i did see that you could get mods that turn you into just a walking furry that's made of yep. chrome and i was like there, yeah yep. all right cyberpunk you're <laughs> yeah, almost there, there but i still like shadow run okay. more at the end of the, the day the cost you pay in crunch for that is pretty high but worth <laughs> it. so uh, the last thing I'll say then is that I've got Dungeons and stuff up on the YouTube channel for anybody who doesn't know. It's just Young Grognard, same way it's fun for the podcast, but I'd really appreciate if anybody who's listening to this checks out the music if you're into that kind of thing. And if not, I'm going to I'm gonna put this as a video up on the channel as well. Um, but yeah. So, anywho. Ta-ta. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter. Or you can even send me an email at youngbrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Oh, no, 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 no.